the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It is perhaps just a generation or so ago that we argued in apologetics debates, particularly, that God said, hath God said. Well, today the debate is simply that God, meaning does he even exist? Nietzsche asserted a century ago that God was dead, suggesting at least at the minimum that at one time God did exist. But today we debate his very existence ever. A new book helps you address a lot of these questions, perhaps questions you yourself have struggled with, certainly questions that maybe you struggle with in answering for uh, friends as you share your faith. The book is called simply, Does God Exist? And 51 Other Compelling Questions About God and the Bible. Its author is a lead pastor from Life Fellowship Church outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and the founder and host of the video ministry, The One Minute Apologist, Pastor Bobby Conway. Pastor Conway, great to have you on the program. Hey, it's good to be with you, buddy. Well, I guess these days, particularly with what we see going on in the world around us, whether we talk about politics or the spate of violence in particular, and a lot of it taking place in God's name or in Allah's name, and a lot of people get confused between the two, a lot of Christians really struggle to try to come up with these answers that will help satisfy uh, friends as they or co-workers as they share their faith. And in looking at your new book, I mean, it certainly isn't a 500-page tome, uh, you could almost practically memorize the entire book and toward that degree i just wonder if that was your intent well what i did want to do is help uh, my readers to gain some confidence around curious questions that they may have or people whom they're engaging conversations with might have and so what i did basically is i've got almost a thousand videos on our one minute apologist youtube uh, ministry site where i interview world-leading philosophers and apologists and then I do a lot of the questions myself. And I just thought to take, you know, 50 or so of those type of questions that I do in video format and then put them in written format. So I wrote that book to give people a tool of some of the questions that people are asking today. And what I like about the book, Pastor, is it is literally a book that you could memorize. I mean, you, you could almost spend a few minutes with this every day and committed a lot of the answers uh, to memory. There, there's some give and take in here, questions to consider, uh, memory verses that, uh, that tie into uh, each of the questions, along with uh, information concerning the links to the accompanied YouTube videos that you've produced, that I think really can help equip Christians for, as, as Paul told us, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Yes, and I also think that people want information, especially in this age, that is digestible, and I think that there is a place for uh, the tome, and I'm all about that. I read those myself. I think that it's good, though, for people to have a tool, and being a pastor, I have to be a pragmatician, uh, and I think that this is something that can serve as a tool whereby people can get together in small groups or in coffee shops, uh, or they can just have it as a resource manual to look up questions either about theology or worldview or sexual issues or some of the different things that we're facing right before us right now. 
Uh, one of the things that I like about your approach to this, so when I first picked up the book, I thought, well, we're going to expect to find some basic questions in there, sort of the questions of time and memoriam, that God, does God exist, what about the virgin birth, uh, uh, is Jesus equal to, to God, things of this sort that are kind of basic Christian theology. But you have not shied away from dealing with any of the contemporary questions, so to speak, of our day either. For example, I, I first read it and thought, did I read that right? Will there be sex in heaven? Uh, you, you don't shy away, shy away from any of these topics, do you? Well, I mean, the, the reality is, is people have these questions. And I think in the church, we need to say, hey, look, if we're sincerely striving to learn, it's okay to ask questions. Uh, and will there be sex in question? I mean, that's not uh, out of reason to ask that kind of question. Uh, will I still be married in question uh, in heaven? I mean, these are questions that that people thought about. In fact, that Jesus was uh, posed such a question, and we learned that, you know what, we're going to be, uh, you know, like the angels in heaven, neither given in marriage. So there's going to be a marriage on earth till death do us part. So there's not going to be sex in heaven, but I think that that's not anything for us to dread. It's hard to imagine, as adults, a world where there cannot be intimacy uh, between a person that we love, but we can know in heaven that the purpose of sex here on earth is for mutual pleasure and procreation, and our ultimate pleasure will be found in God, and there will be no procreative reasons for us to have sex in heaven. What's good, too, I think, about your approach to the book, Pastor, is that in addition to helping tackle questions that uh, we could run into day by day as we share our faith with others, there are also some very timely topics that, quite frankly, a lot of Christians struggle with themselves. They don't quite understand the answers, and we live in a society that not only promotes the sense of, of certainly, uh, uh, theological pluralism, but also from the standpoint of wanting to be, quote-unquote, tolerant, uh, and yet we say, gee, how, how do I come Come about giving an articulate response to some of the more controversial topics. I mean, take, for example, the matter of marijuana use. Now, here in California, we're going to head to the ballot in November, not only decide who the next president will be, U.S. Senator from California, but also decide whether or not we should follow in the footsteps of Colorado and legalize recreational use of marijuana. This is one of the topics that you've chosen to deal with. I discern between medical marijuana and uh, recreational use of marijuana. I grew up in California myself, and I've been clean since October 9th, 1994. I got clean at my first semester at Chico State, of all places. And uh, I don't know if it's still the party school it was back in the, in the 90s. But it has a reputation. There. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought quite the place to go and get sober. I went to an AA meeting October 9th, 1994. And I've been clean ever since. And so I've smoked a lot of dope myself in California, so I'm not throwing uh, stones at those who, uh, who do. But I will say that I know back then a good hit of some green butt could get a high going. And with the THC levels where they are today, I just don't see how we can uh, maintain, uh, you know, temple care. The Bible talks about, you know, we're to honor our bodies, we're to take care of our temple, it kills brain cells. I think from a standpoint of medical use, I can see a real avenue for that. Suppose we were to wake up and read in a newspaper and we'd never heard about marijuana before, and we didn't have the negative connotations, and we saw scientists have found a leaf that can help those with cancer patients who are cancer patients to digest their food, to help them to gain weight, and to assuage them in the midst of their pain. I don't think we'd think anything of it because people use uh, many medications that are far worse right now than marijuana. So I can say I could see it being okay there, but just recreationally, I think that it's hard to make that case. 
If you've just joined our conversation, visiting tonight with the lead pastor from Life Fellowship Church outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, the author of the new book called Does God Exist? This and 51 other compelling questions about God and the Bible. It is uh, bite-sized, which is what I like about this. Um, a lot of people get put off. Questions arise. They don't know how to answer them. And they're too intimidated to uh, go out and buy a 500-page uh, tome on the topic. And so, as a result, they just sort of maintain their sense of ignorance. But it's hard to be effective when it comes to witnessing today and not be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within, as Paul said. Not be uh, prepared to engage in, in thoughtful, reasoned give and take and to be able to take a stand. And most importantly, not only be educated and equipped ourselves, but then share that knowledge with others as we share our faith. And that's a long way toward what this book uh, is, is focused on doing. Newly published by Harvest House, by the way. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation, deal with a few other hot topics of the day as our visit with Pastor Bobby Conway, author of Does God Exist? continues here on Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Helping you answer the big questions of the day, uh, perhaps for yourself, certainly for others as you share your faith. Having a sense of uh, uh, solid discipleship where we are learned a bit. Uh, we are trained, so to speak, within the basics of apologetics is, is kind of, uh, unfortunately, passing away. Meaning that fewer and fewer churches um, underscore the importance of this. And yet, I think really to be an effective witness in sharing our faith and also have a good sense of grounding in our own relationship with Christ, it's important that we have some of these fundamental answers, a fundamental understanding of our faith. And uh, the new book, Does God Exist? and 51 Other Compelling Questions About God and the Bible goes a long way toward, in a very uh, direct fashion, answer many of those questions. Its author is our guest today, Bobby Conway. He is also the lead pastor of Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also authored other books and uh, is the founder and host, by the way, of the rapidly growing video ministry, The One Minute Apologist, which is, I guess, Bobby, if you just do a, um, a search in YouTube, all of the link will come up? Absolutely, yeah. Just type in One Minute Apologist. We have a channel in YouTube where they can go to the oneminuteapologist.com and they can learn more about the videos there. And this is really, I mean, I, I think of not just... Uh, new believers, but uh, good refresher course for some of us that have been in the faith for a lot of years, as well as an opportunity to get studied with a biblical perspective on some of the so-called hot topics of the day, which I know a lot of believers struggle with. I mean, for example, this issue of uh, transvestitism or sex change uh, has been a lot in the news lately, particularly with uh, uh, Bruce Jenner capturing a lot of headlines. And I know that when the topic comes up, other than uh, sharing a sense of uh, disbelief or uh, uh, frustration with the topic, many many Christians, I think, are just frustrated. They don't know how to answer. They don't know how to respond when this debate or this topic is approached. It's too bad that uh, the church has a reputation uh, for being bombastic at times. By and large, uh, the Christians that I come in contact are wonderful people, uh, humble people, but a lot of times they're not ready to engage in conversation. Uh, with people. Those who would say apologetics uh, isn't important uh, obviously uh, haven't been out sharing uh, with non-believers or engaging them with questions about their faith, because those questions will come up. And in, in particular, this one on sex change, uh, this is a huge issue in our culture right now. And I do think that we should be looking for ways 
to exhibit compassion. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to feel trapped uh, with another gender inside of my body. Uh, at the same token, I think we can show a compassion. You know, I can't, you know, imagine what that would be like. I'm not trying to throw stones at you here. I'm just trying to be faithful to the way that I believe that God created us. And I believe that uh, the chromosomal structure cannot be changed through a sex change. Uh, our chromosomal structure reveals whether we're male or female. Now, there is an intersex condition that some would have where maybe they might have some, you know, partial male and partial female body parts. And I can understand the situation like that where they might seek counsel and get some wisdom on how to be unified so they don't, so that individual doesn't feel like they're half male, half female. That makes sense. But I do think biblically we should realize that uh, sex is not something that we can just uh, play with. It's des- we're designed by God with a certain gender. The other thing that I think believers should appreciate from a book like this is not only equipping them in terms of a, a better, more articula- articulate, uh, apologetic approach to many of the hot topics of the day from a biblical perspective, but also some of the topics that kind of swirl within the church that oftentimes uh, we need to gain a deeper, more foundational understanding on. Uh, it is probably unlikely for the most part that the average non-believer is going to want to engage you in questions about the Trinity, but we know that uh, modalism or uh, Trinitarianism within the church, there are corners where this is hotly contested and debated, and from time to time, I think at least from a good biblical foundation, from a discipleship standpoint, it's important that believers understand what the Bible actually has to say on topics that are very relevant to the Christian's faith, particularly in issues such as the Trinity. Sure, that's a good point, Craig, where we see that God is one in essence and three in person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think that there's a lot of confusion today, and I think that in my last book I wrote called Doubting Toward Faith, I wrestled with some of my own doubts and wrote about some of my own struggle with it and share how, you know, we're living in a melting pot culture of belief. We're like a nation without a mission statement. We're not what we once were. We're not sure what we're becoming, but in between, in this tweener space, it's great. And there's lots of questions, and we're experiencing what Jennifer Heck talked about, this idea of cosmopolitan doubt, where my belief's bumping up against somebody else's belief, and we're wondering, how can I know what I believe is really true? And I think that we need to help people to deal with these questions and with their doubts, and a lot of people are intimidated to share their doubts because they're going to feel like they're an immature believer if they do. And I want to say as a pastor and as an apologist that in the absence of certainty, there's always going to be room for doubt. The question is, which worldview closes the doubt gap the best? And me, as a Christian pastor, I can struggle with doubts, but I believe when I look at the case for the resurrection of Jesus, and when I think about our worldview compared to other worldview options, I believe Christianity is uh, the greatest worldview standing and offers the greatest amount of evidence for us. Um, Do we also have to uh, concede that there are some topics for which there's just not real clear direction within Scripture that sort of uh, now we see through a glass darkly uh, approach that, you know, there are certain mysteries, so to speak, that we do not fully comprehend and give believers a sense of relief that that's okay? I think so. I think it makes us, uh, look, if somebody gets discipled, they're a brand new Christian, and then they go, okay, I've been discipled, I've had like five hours of training, uh, they're often ultra-dogmatic. They go out and they feel like they've, they've read their Left Behind series and they know how God's going to wrap the world up. And <laughs> Look, the reality is, is 
if we're going to go in and out of some of these doctrinal positions on age of the earth or the timing of Jesus' return or which translation to use or whether or not one's a Calvinist or Arminian, and I think we need to give people some real freedom to think because sometimes we can give people such a tight doctrinal list that then if they're just thinking because they read another book, not trying to disobey God, just wrestling with the argument, they can feel like they're doing something wrong, and the reality is, is they're just thinking. And I think that's where we get back to, we need to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, love our neighbors ourselves. As Christians, our faith is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're keeping our faith there, and then we live it with a lot of flexibility, and we give each other a lot of grace, because we're splintering the church to death in the name of our pet particularities, and I think we need to loosen up a little bit. And I think that's a key point that you make, because there's also this perspective that says, listen, um, there are some doctrines, so to speak, that are going to constantly be open for debate. I mean, you know, upon baptism, should we sprinkle or should we dunk? I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's evidence to show, certainly from Christ's experience with it, that uh, the dunking is the way to go. That said, it certainly doesn't classify as a damnable doctrine, meaning that if you don't embrace it or believe it certain ways, uh, that, that you're going to be outside the confines of, 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 of so-called normative or, or um, historical Christianity. But there's also this notion that we can sometimes get so caught up in the minutia of some of these completely unwinnable debates that we we end up seeing our relationship with the very Christ himself suffer, don't we? I just would love to see the church at large really grasp what you're saying right there, because if we could just get the beauty and the joy of learning, yes, there's a corpus of theology that we're to believe, but the reality is, if we've got over 40,000 denominations, uh, you know, uh, you can pit many of these great theologians that are our heroes, and they contradict each other on some of these viewpoints as well. That doesn't mean that undercuts our belief ultimately in the authority of Scripture. What it means is people are finite. And yes, there's one interpretation from God's perspective, but as humans, I believe myself included, none of us walk around as perfect interpreters of Scripture. So that should create some humility in us that, you know what? We're going to do our best to show ourselves as workmen who are approved of studying the Word of God, but we're going to be humble with the way that we handle that with others as well. And in doing so, of course, being prepared to give the answer, to not only deepen your own relationship with Christ and understanding of your own faith, but then to be more effective communicator at discipling believers that you've won to Christ, and certainly hope that's part of uh, your your life experience, and then, too, to be prepared to share your faith with others. This book goes a long way in a very easy fashion. It answers the question, does God exist? That and 51 other compelling questions about God, the Bible, and quite frankly, life in general, wrestling with a lot of the questions, contemporary ones, that we struggle with to this very day. Bobby Conway is the author of the new book, lead pastor of Life Fellowship Church, located just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, great job on the book, newly published, by the way, by our friends at Harvest House and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through some of the usual suspects, Amazon.com. You can also get it through Pastor Conway's website, Bobby Conway. Spell it just the way it sounds, bobbyconwayonline.com. That's bobbyconwayonline.com. And, you know, if you're looking for some quick, easy to nibble on and digest uh, and memorize content, not only the book, but also uh, we mentioned about his YouTube channel uh, that provides, what did you say, Bobby, over a 1,000 videos? Well, we're working close to a 1,000. We've got about 900 right now, so almost a 1,000 different videos. 
And these are all called the one-minute apologist that deals with just short, bite-sized chunks of information on a whole variety of topics that, that very much mimic uh, what the book does. So you can check that out on YouTube by simply uh, doing a, a Google search. Go to YouTube and look for the One Minute Apologist. Again, the book Does God Exist? And 51 Other Compelling Questions About God and the Bible, newly published by Harvest House. Our thanks to Pastor Bobby Conway for being with us tonight here on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Some of you that have perhaps have a bit of gray around the temples or have been Bay Area residents for more than just a few years might recall back to the 1970s in what was a Bay Area-wide concentrated effort toward outreach and evangelism using what I believe to be the most powerful tool uh, aside from the power of our own testimony, the, 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 the most powerful tool when it comes to witnessing, and that is the power of God's Word. Maybe you recall the I Found It campaign in the 1970s. Uh, many of the converts which came to Christ as a result of that Bible outreach throughout the San Francisco Bay Area um, kind of got countered in the overall Jesus movement of the 1970s. It is certainly true that I think globally one of the most effective tools for impacting lives for Jesus. Jesus Christ and for the sake of the kingdom is the power of God's word. So what about using the word as a means of reaching people and making that available to individuals in their own language? Well, that is exactly what's being undertaken by YWAM, Youth for a Mission. The Reading chapter has um, taken on the burden of reaching one of the most populated Muslim communities in the entire country, and that's right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. In fact, in the city of Fremont, California, in the East Bay, it has the largest expatriate population of people from Afghanistan anywhere outside of Afghanistan proper. And joining me now as the organizer for Fremont for Jesus is Patrick Roy with YWAM. And Patrick, great to have you on the show. Let's talk first about um, this process of selecting a community like the city of Fremont. Anybody would tell you that lives in the Bay Area, gee, this is a region that is in desperate need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's almost hard to, to think about where do we begin? Do we concentrate on the city of San Francisco? Do we take it south to uh, Silicon Valley? Why did your organization decide specifically to begin outreach in the city of Fremont? Well, it, it began with, uh, with our directors, um, Jake and Sarah Pendleton. They, they lived overseas in Afghanistan uh, for about five years, and they've, they've always had a heart for the Afghan people, um, as well as even for the city of Fremont, which they visited uh, quite a few times. And w- we would come down here uh, together as a team and, um, and do ministry. Over the past three years, we've been doing that. We've, we've had a number of teams come down here um, and do different types of ministry. And just after doing that over, over the last three or four years, um, we felt like that we were directed by our actual overseeing director, Lauren Cunningham, to take the initiative of trying to put a Bible in uh, in every home within the city of Fremont. So we wanted to, to go ahead and, and take on that initiative and see if we could get the Bibles and then just go to each door and offer them God's Word and, and even within their own within their own language. And, of course, the ability to read God's Word in your own language overcomes such a multitude of, 
of barriers. Let's talk about the notion of, of distribution door to door. As you mentioned, Patrick, um, part of the focus here is because of the background uh, by your directors with YRAM in Reading, uh, having experienced uh, missions work in Afghanistan and, of course, a major um, population, as we mentioned before, not just from Afghanistan, but uh, we have a, a major population in the East Bay of expats from uh, everywhere else, too, uh, coming from countries like China, certainly from India, a very large Indian population in Fremont, as well as um, Afghanis, and a good percentage of individuals um, are Muslim. And so give us a sense in terms of uh, this outreach ministry. What's the, um, what's the approach here as you'll be going door-to-door distributing these Bibles? Well, uh, currently, um, one thing we felt like as, as a team was to involve everybody within the outreach. So we, we have uh, just great friendship with, with a Chinese church here within the city of Fremont, actually two Chinese churches and uh, an international church, um, which is Harbor Light. Um, so we're working closely with, with Harbor Light as well as uh, Forerunner Christian Church and then a few other churches as well. But the, the one of the pieces that we felt like to really have was just to involve everybody within it and because it is such a multi-national uh, city with many different people from many different cultures and many different countries which speak many different languages. So we, we wanted to just involve everybody within it. So um, that that is one of the approaches that we're, that we're kind of taking in it's it's really it's it's fun to see because even this last year when when I was going out and visiting many different homes, uh, I, I was out with um, with a husband and wife which were from Taiwan and just being able to see them communicate with with people in Mandarin and Cantonese and different languages was it was a privilege for me to see because because uh, they were getting to go out within their own city. And, and speak to their brothers and sisters who may or may not know Jesus, but being able to connect with them uh, in their heart language, which is, I, to me, it's just, it's such a privilege to me. And Fremont, in many respects, is sort of a microcosm of the Bay Area, isn't it, in terms of the diversity of both uh, the cultures and languages, people groups. Uh, you, you pretty much get a pretty decent cross-section of what the entire Bay Area looks like in one community of more than 100,000. That's true. That's true. We have, uh, there's another uh, youth with a mission base within San Francisco that, uh, that actually is involved with also reaching out to multi-different uh, people groups in different languages, uh, and, and they're located more in like the heart of, of San Francisco. Is there a sense, too, of tremendous need in this area? And I pose that question, Patrick, because we've seen a number of surveys in recent years, uh, the most recent produced by uh, the Barna Group, that indicates that in terms of um, per capita church attendance, the San Francisco Bay Area has one of the lowest in the entire nation. I think the most recent numbers show something like only 4%. So 4% of the population in what is, to be sure, the fourth largest metropolitan area in the entire country, and yet only 4% of the population attends church with any kind of regularity. So was that a strategic choice as well, to look at concentrating on the San Francisco Bay Area? 
Well, coming into this, uh, one of the things that we were feeling is just the love of God it is real. And I know sometimes that can be kind of cliche, but really when it comes down to it is, is just carrying the, the love of God. And the, the Bible talks a lot about, and we'll hear this in, in churches and different places about the body of Christ, but also walking in the same spirit as well, which is walking in that same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead and, and lives inside of us. Is, is really is what's going to be the light of the world to the people around us. And, and it's, it's, it's being able to, to love people well and, it, and come over the different cultures and different languages and different, whether uh, agreements or disagreements, but just being able to meet people with that same spirit and, and with that unconditional love that Jesus had and, and, and sometimes that just can move right through uh, different obstacles and different barriers because people see that you're genuine and something that we can offer that's genuine. If you've just joined the conversation, we're visiting today with Patrick Roy. Patrick is the organizer of Fremont for Jesus, an outreach ministry to the San Francisco Bay Area by YWAM, Youth with a Mission, the Reading chapter, uh, undertaking this concerted effort that will run over the course of five weeks, providing Bible study materials, Bibles, and copies of the Jesus film. In fact, they plan over that period of time throughout the city of Fremont to distribute over 71,000 pieces. So it's it's a pretty uh, enthusiastic undertaking, to be sure, in one of the most neediest areas of the San Francisco Bay Area. We'll get into some specifics about how you can get involved as our conversation continues here on the Friday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the program. Craig Roberts with you on the Friday afternoon edition of Lifeline. We're visiting in this segment of the show with Patrick Roy. Patrick is organizer of Fremont for Jesus. This is an evangelistic outreach effort on behalf of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, the Reading Chapter, to focus on the San Francisco Bay Area and more specifically to focus on the city of Fremont. Fremont is probably one of the most um, culturally and linguistically diverse communities of the entire San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, You have people that reside here from multiple continents. And based on some of the research numbers by the Barna Group, we also know that the San Francisco Bay Area has some of the lowest per capita church attendance of anywhere in the nation. So the need is huge and the opportunity is even greater. And toward that end, um, I want to share with you the website where you can get more information about Fremont for Jesus. And it's simple, fremontforjesus.com. That's fremontforjesus.com. And Patrick, walk us through, if you would, uh, exactly what the approach is going to be like um, over the coming days and um, exactly uh, how people can get involved. Yeah, um when uh, when we first came down to Fremont um, this last summer, we were praying together as a team, and we felt like uh, there was three specific things to offer the people of Fremont, and, and one of them was God's Word uh, in their own heart language, and then another one was uh, the gift of, of salvation, as well as just the gift of, of prayer or healing of any time because the Bible even talks about how we can be healed of physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, whatever it would be. So those three gifts was something we felt like as a team that uh, 
to offer the, the people of Fremont. So the, the event specifically will be, uh, it'll be at Convergence House of Prayer, and today is the opening day, and we will go from July 15th until August the 7th, and we meet here uh, at Convergence House of Prayer uh, every day except Tuesday. We would meet at 12 o'clock, and from 12 to 1.30, we would have some time for corporate worship, and from 1.45 to 2.30, we would have a, some time of teaching to equip people, whether they are experienced in, in sharing God's Word or or evangelism or or just going out and having conversations with people on the street, that time of teaching would be there to equip people who have never done it before or maybe just to, to refresh people who may have had a little bit of experience in the past. So we do want to offer that as well. And then right after the teaching would end, we would go door to door and visit each home um, from about 3 o'clock until about 6.30 in the evening, we would take that time. So about three and a half hours, we would be out in the city um, visiting different homes and, and visiting different people. And then we'd come back at, at Convergence House of Prayer in the evening and just have some time to debrief and, and, and talk about things and, and just ha- and end with the time of, of prayer um, in the afternoon. And is the strategy here to be able to reach every single household throughout the city of Fremont? Yes, the strategy is to reach every single home. So we've created a whole mapping system. We have about uh, somewhere between 12 and 1,400 different maps that lays out each neighborhood and each street um, from one corner all the way to the next um, just to make it real easily understand. And we'll hand out one map per group, and then uh, they'll be able to look on the map and see the street name and be able to see each home by home that they would be visiting for that day. And then um, it's, it's pretty, we tried to make it real uh, easy to understand and easy for, uh, for anybody to get involved. And, of course, you're focusing on a pretty good-sized community, too. I mean, they, outside of San Francisco itself, Oakland, San Jose, maybe the city of Santa Clara, uh, Fremont is certainly up there in size. I think it's just a skosh below uh, a quarter of a million people. So that's it's a pretty enthusiastic undertaking. Yeah, I think 215,000 people with over 71,000 homes. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a, a big city. And um, give us a look at some of the materials that you're going to be providing. As I suggested in my opening comments, I believe that one of the most effective tools for outreach and evangelism, I mean, and this is not to set aside the broadside tracks and things of this sort, uh, but the whole counsel of God's Word. Um, you know, we're promised within Scripture that it does not go out and return to Him void, but it accomplishes His good pleasure. So Bibles are certainly a very effective evangelism tool. But I understand as well you're going to be using another wildly successful evangelism evangelistic tool that, that really helps to uh, uh, to bridge a lot of gaps, particularly for those that maybe are not all that comfortable reading, and that is the Jesus Film. Tell us more about that. Yes, uh, the Jesus Film is one of the biggest pieces of literature that we would use. Um, it's uh, The film that we have has 16 different languages on it, and it um, the primary languages are uh, Southeast Asia, Central Asia, uh, as well as uh, portions of the Middle East. So um, within these 16 different languages, it, um, it offers many people within the city of Fremont to be able to, 
to hear the Bible. Uh, it's specifically that one is the Gospel of Mark in their own in their own heart language. They would be able to hear that. So uh, we, we do have many of those DVDs that we'll also offer. And, you know, we hear stories all the time about how successful the Jesus film has been in uh, reaching people for Christ all across the globe. And what's special about the DVD version is that the viewers can select their own language. Uh, this has been translated both in terms of the actual dialogue as well as uh, subtitling into, as we were mentioning, hundreds of different languages. So given how diverse the city of Fremont is, rather than having to bring along multiple copies in multiple different languages – to make sure that people can read the word in their own language. This is very effective tool from an efficiency standpoint because the minute they pop the DVD in, they'll be able to select the language and the subtitling of their choice. Yes. Even on a, on a greater level than that, we have it to where people can actually download that same movie or just the Bible itself on their phone. So it's a little c- connection card that we include with each uh, with each thing that we offer each home, it comes in a little bag. And within there is a connection card where people can connect the app straight onto their smartphone. And they, if they want the Jesus film, they could have the film in over about 1,100 different languages. Or if they wanted the Bible itself, they could download the full Bible, both New and Old Testament, um, as well on their smartphone. Uh, and I think that one's in about 1,300 different languages. Fantastic. And uh, again, let's bring this full circle. So uh, you're looking for volunteers, both experienced as well as people that just have a heart for this and and, uh, recognize the need to reach this community uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe they've never had any opportunity or any experience in doing uh, street evangelism or going door to door. Maybe there's somebody that is a lover of Christ, but has never really ever been trained on how to share their faith with somebody else. There will be training available for first-time people. Uh, you're going to pair folks up, too, in groups, aren't you? We will. Yes, we will. Um, we the, we are uh, basically just want to be the pedestal or the or the stage for other people to get involved. So um, we have a seminar that starts this next week, the 18th through the 23rd. It's it's completely free. It's open to the public. Um, we're flying a speaker out from uh, Boulder, Colorado, and uh, we, we really just want to open it up, uh, not charge anything for it. It's a free event. Uh, people can get involved. They can get the training. They can uh, figure out how to use all the material. Because the the real heart of it is for Jesus to be famous, and uh, we didn't want to put um, you know a price tag on things or, or anything like that. We just we want Jesus to be famous over Fremont, and and we want to do that by getting His word out and opening it up to anybody who would who would want to get involved. And if folks would like to get more information, again, you can log on to fremontforjesus.com that's fremontforjesus.com looking for not only volunteers to come out and be a part of this but also for people to support uh, as you can imagine this is a tremendous undertaking in terms of the cost of a uh, publishing and distribution of all of these materials, more than 71,000 pieces going out to a quarter of a million homes across the city of Fremont. So if a guide has put it on your heart to get involved financially, you can certainly give your gift online by going to FremontForJesus.com. That's FremontForJesus.com. What date does all of this get underway, Patrick? Well, today is actually the opening day. Um, we'll go out every day except Tuesdays. 
um, until August the 7th. So it would be from July 15th to August 7th that we'd be going out. All right. So there's still lots of time with today being launch day. Plenty of time for you to get involved and certainly support this ministry, the um, extended outreach of YWAM Youth with a Mission for the city of Fremont in the San Francisco Bay Area. Details again available on the web at FremontForJesus.com. That's FremontForJesus.com. And our thanks to Patrick Roy, organizer of Fremont for Jesus, for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.